Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Two Woods Four Quarters, Harlem's podcast. My name's Will, and as always, I'm sat here with my cousin Michael. Mike, happy new year, mate. Happy new year, boy. You, you well? I am well, yeah. I just come back from my first session of the new year, first gym session of the new year. And my word, it was a slog. It was not good. It was tough. Um, but I got it done. I went and sat in the sauna afterwards as well and sort of sweat out as much of the pigs in blankets as possible and the the leftover (laughs) New Year's booze. So I'm feeling better for it. I'm just hoping it kickstarts a bit of momentum, a bit of routine and see how we get on. Yeah, well, you've you've got much better pipes than I have. I um I don't spend loads of time in the gym as most of you that would have met me will see. Um, I've got a little bit of timber to shed in the next few weeks. I won't be boozing that much back to school or that kind of stuff. January is a pretty quiet month anyway. Financially, it's a long month as well because you get yeah. Paid, are you doing like, dry January? Um, I'm not doing dry January because I'm an adult. January. I'm an adult. If I want to have a beer, I'll have one. Um, <laughs> But I'm definitely doing, you know, take it a little bit slow January, um, crack on with some work, get my head down on some uni stuff as well. So, yeah, it's going to be um, a busy month for me, but it's also like a long month because financially we get, we get paid yeah. like early December and then it drags out for six weeks. So it takes a bit of a while to get back into it. So everything you've just said there is the exact reason why I am doing dry January or damp January at least. The reason it's damp January is I've allocated two or three days um, to a few beers for various birthdays and still got Cardiff away booked in my diary it's not officially been cancelled yet um, still waiting for a bit of guidance on that I'm sure Cardiff rugby are as well but in theory there's no crowds there but tickets are still available so I'm going to sit and wait for that I haven't bought a ticket yet um, it's weird that isn't it I saw the tickets looked on their website they're, 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 they're like this morning yeah. they are still sending tickets for it which I find strange yeah I mean uh, that's one of the days I've allocated to to make damp January so I'm hoping yeah. it does happen and um, be a great Friday night in Cardiff but there's talk of actually moving it over the border to somewhere in the well somewhere in England because you can actually have fans there whether it be a Gloucester or a Bath or a, a Bristol I think Bristol are at home so it can't be them but that would be interesting wouldn't it we'll see what comes of that it might just be speculation by yeah. people like us who've got no clue on Twitter but that would be cool <laughs> so that would be one of my non-dry Jan days in terms of your New Year's what did you get up to? Any cool stories? Any good parties? It was pretty low key for me, I think. Um, I had a dinner party up the road with my mates. Ooh, very classy. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to say classy, but it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was low key. I mean, I think most people were fairly low key. I didn't have the money to go out and spend eighty quid on some entry to some club in London, or you know, really break the bank. Nice. So yeah, I had a few beers. Housemates, girlfriend, cooked lots of food. Um, ate all the leftovers that was from the meal at about half one, two in the morning and then sort of trotted off down the road and fell asleep. Um, re- bit of recuperation on New Year's Day, did a little bit of work and then sort of the highlight of my New Year was um, was down at King's Home yesterday. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, mine was also quite low-key. I was kind of hoping for a good start to the year by getting active, getting going and, and get my life in order straight away. But because it fell on, a weekend we had the the Sunday, then the bank holiday. It only feels like today I'm actually getting going again, and we're already sort of four days into January. So a little bit frustrating, but it's I saw, how it um, works, isn't it? I saw Nick Heath on Twitter saying that this sort of three day Sunday spell that we started the year was really weird because obviously the Saturday, <laughs> then the Sunday, and then today's about. He's absolutely so spot on. Of... It's been like three Sundays, hasn't it? Which yeah. has been lovely, I'm sure. But I'm just kind of itching to get going now and start a new yeah. year. But as you say, you were down at King's Home. What what a great way to start the year for you. Talk to me about your day. Talk to me about your trip. Who did you go with? Mate, it was actually really good. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine during the week and 
I'm sure there are a few people out there this might resonate with. I'm such a nause for a stadium, like oh, a I new stadium. stadium. Like, this is a bit cringe, but I'll go there. Did you ever have a um, Pinterest when you were like six? Yeah, well, I know what it is. I work in social media, so I have to know what it is. But yeah, all yeah. these different boards that you can create pins on, and you got the, all the. Right. I get what you mean. Like, I know where you go with it. So I had a Pinterest account when I was about 16, 17, and the only thing that I put on it was like stadiums that I wanted to go to. <laughs> How nauseous is that? A so weird like, confession was, to start the year. I know. So when I was like 17, I was like planning on doing my whole gap year in Oz. And I had like MCG photos, SCG, the Gabba, oh, like nice. all, the, obviously all, the, all the test grounds, like some of the rugby stadiums that I wanted to go to. And then like things that dad and I have ticked off or want to tick off our bucket list, like going to Cape Town, watching them play test cricket. That is a thing, yeah. isn't it? A stadium yeah. bucket list is a thing. 100%. And I'm I want to do Claremont. I want to do Claremont. Claremont's a good Top one. Of my but, list. Like, I'm massively like nauseous about that. And you think of some of the stadiums in the Premiership, not many of them have got the history that like King's Home has. Like there's so many stuff around it. And like, I've never experienced the sheds. Like, and actually, I spoke to Dad on the phone this morning. It's actually a really, really good point. It's one of the few places that has a proper, proper, proper rugby culture because there's mm. very little football down there. Like yeah. Cheltenham, Cheltenham's the nearest big team are in, I don't know, League One, League Two. Well, so there's not around there, isn't it? Well, exactly. It's not. It's not a huge football town. So actually, they're really the history behind the rugby club is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a last minute thing. Actually, I booked it. When did I book it? Probably sort of that weird period between Christmas and New Year. I was looking at it, going, "I'm not doing anything that day, and I've got a little bit of work done, so I can probably allow myself to go." So I went with my housemate, who comes with me. We've got season tickets every week, and we've got another mate who's got a season ticket. He was the crucial one because he's got the car, and the, the train was <laughs> the train was All about sixty. The train was about 60 quid, which I didn't fancy. It took about three hours to get down there if you get on the train. So um, he ended up driving. His girlfriend came with us. And it was actually a pretty, pretty easy journey. We actually left really early, got there in loads of time, um, paid, I think, what, seven or eight quid for a parking spot. So we did really well. Um, what were the roads there? Like? Second of January, I feel like it's quite a, a slow period for people still, as Nick Heath said, three-day weekend or three-day yeah. Sunday. So it hadn't really got going again. Was roads all right? Yeah, absolutely fine. Like getting down into Gloucester, like because it's sort of as you come into where King's Home is, it's not really like a big city. It's almost like a little town. So, yeah, we got there nice and early. Roads are pretty fine. I took us about I don't know two hours, fifteen minutes, two hours twenty. Had a quick sort of pit stop at some service station for a sausage roll and a, and a wee. And yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty calm. So we got there about twelve forty-five ish. We were like properly early for the game um nice. we had a pint in the king's home inn which is the pub literally opposite the grounds nice. um, i got id in there which i was quite pleased about uh, some <laughs> young lady behind the bars being far too you know far too flattering towards me um also two punts of guinness guess how much down in gloucester oh it's gonna be better than here isn't it 100 yeah but of guinness is roughly six quid around here so i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna go four pound i'm gonna say eight pound well, I was £8.30, which I was very pleased with. Yeah. That'll do, won't it? Yeah. So £8.30 for two Guinness, which I was really happy with. And um, we had a quick point in there. Got on the ground nice and early, had a burger. And then um, obviously, yeah, kickoff time. So yeah, it was good. Really, really good start to the day. And the, like I said, the journey was way better than getting on the train. But yeah. Let's talk about the game then. It seems right to go down that path because really, really tough start to the year. A proper scrappy dogged encounter away at Gloucester I was saying to you before the game we've got two matches before um, the premiership breaks up for the Six Nations because obviously we've got two games in Europe um, yeah. at the end of January so we've got Gloucester away and then we've got Exeter at home 
We've then got two in Europe and we're into Six Nations, which is when we're going to lose a lot of players. So actually, these two fixtures before Europe are so important. In the calendar, it might not be too far down the line. It's, it's obviously very early doors, start of January. Doesn't seem too significant yet. But if we collect these points now, come February, March time, when we're going to lose a lot of players, actually, these points will seem far more valuable than they do right now. So to get that result, when in previous years... And I'm sure you can relate to this, having watched Quinns over the years, it can be incredibly frustrating, but that would be one of those games that get away from us. That'd be one of those ones that we bottle. Yeah. Um, we saw it last year where we actually managed to, to stretch ahead with the red card from Andre and we'll still go and get a win. But years yeah. before that, we would have taken a loss there for sure. So the steel that the boys showed, the new culture of Quinns, the new steeliness that we've got is really, really apparent now. And I, I can only imagine what it would have been like for you being in the stands at the game because it was noisy. It was loud. It was noisy. Was it intimidating? So, I actually think the Gloucester bunch, although they are quite intimidating and very rowdy, they're all really, really nice. They're proper rugby people as well, so I think they get it. Yeah, um, they are. And obviously, one of the things that I really, really liked, and I've not actually seen this at a rugby ground before, so we were in the skips, standing, south, yeah, whatever. Terrible terri- for stand. Yeah, whatever it's called. Really, Awful. pretty poor. It was also a lot smaller than I thought, and I'll, I'll touch this again in a minute, but we were in the sort of south end, and then as I looked at the ground, in the far end of the north, you had uh, the, the stand, and on the right, you've got the big stand, and then sort of on the left where is where the shed is. And the Quinns boys are like, warming up on our side. And the Gloucester squad did this, like, loop in front of the sheds. They started in their half in the bottom corner, ran right past the sheds, and then sort of in front of the south stand, because the tunnel's not halfway, it's, like, tucked up towards the top end of the of the south stand in that corner. So they went right okay. past the shed, all down the front of them, and then along in front of us. Getting rallied on. And it was. It was really, really cool. And like the shed are probably noisy, but it was really cool. I Literally a little bit like Cheltenham, maybe, going down that final straight. Yeah. Crowd well, getting I, I'd never actually sort of seen a rugby side do that before, where they literally, you know, almost like a sort of pre-match lap of honour, where they went in front of the yeah. know, big home faithful. That was really, really cool. It's um, for everyone up, isn't it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was. And another thing that I found really strange, so we were obviously in the sort of terrace bit at the front, we, and we got there really, really early because I thought, oh, if you're on the terraces, you want like a sort of leaning pillar and you want to get in a good spot. And obviously it's one of those ones where you haven't got an assigned seat. So the first person to get there gets sort of the best yeah. view, I suppose, because it's not, you know, you haven't got a When seat you commit to a way there, you want to make sure you're doing it properly, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we were sort of standing there, to, well, an hour and a half, maybe less than that, about an hour before the game. And it was absolutely hammering down with rain, had a sort of, Watery punt again into my hand and a sort of soggy, bur- a soggy burger. That's why it was um, four pound fifteen. Yeah, but it was um, <laughs> it was it was really good because obviously in front of us where the sort of the walkway is a bit like at Quinns, you've got that so big sort of concrete path around the ground, and people were crowding that bit at the start of the game, like you do before the start of the game. You want to be close to the players, watch them warm up. And I thought when they all went back in the tunnel, they'd all sort of disperse into wherever they were just sitting or standing, and they don't. They just sort of stand there and watch it, and they watch from there. They watched from there, so we were oh, only on our side. So we were right at the front of the terrace because we were obviously still a little bit higher up, and obviously being tall, I get a pretty good view anyway. Yeah, but they were like there was five or six rows of people just standing in the walkway in front of us watching the ground. So it was quite a few oh, people really? in front of us. I wonder if there's such thing as like roaming tickets, but I don't know how that works with disabled fans. Obviously, our a good friend, you and Laws, what went down for the game. I don't know whereabouts he yeah. sit and, and whether they've got a separate 
area for that to prevent people stood up by the side of the pitch watching and, and blocking views. But did you see what Gloucester actually did for him, by the way? They yeah, all signed a shirt and a ball and, and sent him home with it. I thought that was a real classy touch from them. So, as you say, they're a proper rugby club, aren't they? Great history, great heritage. And yeah. they fully sort of played up to that just by making that nice little gesture there. So got a lot of time for that. There's two things I want to mention before we get into the nitty gritty of the game. Yep. So the, that result, it was third v fourth. That's huge yeah. for us. That's opened up a little gap now between us and Gloucester, who still remain in fourth. So there's a four-point gap from them now. They've got Saracens away next week. So I don't see them winning that. Are they so, really? Okay. So they have. And we've got extra at home, which is also another Titanic clash, which is going to be huge. So their two fixtures, obviously, we'll have a keen eye on our one, but worth keeping an eye on that other one as well. Um, but with every team except Bath playing 11 times now, we're effectively at the halfway point in the season. We can forget Bath, they're on four points down the bottom. Yeah. So effectively everyone's played and we're sat comfortably in third now, um, looking really, really good, I think. So we're about yep. to go into a period which could be quite tough for us if we lose all of our superstars, which we most likely will. So I just think that result was so important for us. So I just wanted to call out where, the, where we sit in the table now and sort of the, the state of play before we get into the game. The next one I want to talk about is Joe Marler. Don't know if you saw yeah. him on Soccer AM banging in penalties in his full Juventus tracksuit, <laughs> the old Sue Ronaldo <laughs> celebration. <laughs> Failed a late fitness test. He was on the bus traveling down with the boys, taking the piss out of them, putting sort of face filters up on Instagram stories, yeah. having a great time. Seems right as rain. Seemed completely fine. Don't know anything, if anything happened in the warm up or anything you might have seen. It says. Well, they say he failed a, a late fitness test. I think part of it might be down to the fact that they now have a 4G down there, don't they? Or a 5G, whatever it is, one of the Gs. Yeah. Because he doesn't like playing on that just as much as anybody else. And he's been very outspoken about it. So I do wonder if that's a factor in it. But if it was, surely that would have been made before travelling. Um, didn't see anything in the warm-up. Um, but I actually made this point to my mate I was with. I remember a game, God knows what it was where, because I'm a bit of a nose, I like sort of spotting players in the warm-up and seeing what they're doing, having a look. And I always sort of just double-check. And I actually didn't see Joe out, Joe come out for the warm-up mm. until he came out with his sort of water boy top on. And one thing I will say about the stadium itself is that the 4G signal was absolutely terrible, so I couldn't get anything yeah. on my phone. So when I saw him come out in his water thing, I was trying to search on Twitter or go for a WhatsApp or anything that would sort of suggest why he was not warming up. Um, eventually got a bit of signal and obviously got a text from you that's saying he's been a late sort of withdrawal. Maybe the 4G has something to do with it, but I'd imagine that it said late fitness test. So maybe I, my thinking was if it's a late fitness test, plus the he was well, out maybe, kicking a ball maybe, around on Soccer AM, banging in penalties, unless he got a tight yeah. hammy from that. But surely that would mean that you wouldn't but, let players do that. Like, there's that risk. I think maybe it was a late fitness test, plus the fact that he you know, believes 4G. personally that. The 4G takes a bit more toll out of his body than yeah it should. Well, maybe that's what it was, you know. Maybe they maybe, thought, yeah. look, we want to play him. We'll take him down. We'll give him a little run around on the pitch, see if he reckons it's right. And if yeah. it's not, well, we won't risk it because we've got so many important games coming up that we need him for. So I think that was maybe slightly maybe close to the truth. Yeah. Like that. I'd love to know a little bit more, but I don't think we'll ever get that information from no. the club or anyone like that, will we? So we'll, well have to make do with what we've got. <laughs> but one thing I will say is when we don't have him in that front row, I do get nervous. I think, obviously, Santi's uh, an Argentinian international, but 
I look at the front row of, of Collier, Walker and Marler, and I just think, God, that is scrum time dominance week in, week yeah. out. Walker looks a proper player when he's got those two either side of him. As soon as you lose Joe Marler, all of a sudden, I think Walker doesn't look like the player that he is. It's weird how that perception comes about, but mm-hmm. I just thought we, we looked a little bit softer and who knows, on another day, we might have been on the flip side of that three-point victory and it could have been a three-point defeat. And I wonder if front row might have played a role in that, but we won't dwell on that and, and we yeah. won't do hearsay. So let's get stuck into the game. Scoreboard kicked off with a penalty for them, which I thought we were a bit unlucky to concede. Dommers, I thought, won that turnover pretty obviously, actually, pretty comprehensively. I, I didn't think it was much debate to it. And I know Ben Kay and Austin Healy watching as well were, were shocked that the penalty went the other way. So, again, when it comes down to three points at the end of the game, you do wonder, like, if it can't, it'd be such a shame if it came down to a refereeing decision. But that was what kicked us off. And then before any tries were scored, Simo, try saving tackle. Right. Where was that? Was that right in front of you? Was that down the far end? That was right, right down the sort of the far end. So, my word, what a tackle. So, when they kick through, obviously, the fullback collects the ball. And I'm going, hit him, hit him, hit him. Like, sort of, you know, steps one, steps two. Then they, you know, hit a gap. Singleton makes the breaks. And then it just all opened up for them. Like, Singleton, big sort of fend off, goes right through the gap. And it just completely opened up. It did. And I was like, I was surrounded by the Gloucester faithful. Yeah. Who, after the first couple of balls that we knocked on, gave it a big, which is one of the worst things I've it oh, goes so... Did you see how many we rattled with that tweet saying it's in the top five <laughs> worst things in rugby along with a Mexican wave, yeah. Exeter's branding and probably Saracens and Sale. But I um, <laughs> I got a little bit sort of cheeky with it because I was obviously, you know, you see Rapava Ruskin go in. We can't see from that far in that it's been knocked on or been dislodged by Simmons in an unbelievable effort. And I've watched the replay. He's got no right to get back and even make it. Make well, that tackle. in real time, you can't see it. The cameras don't catch it. It's from the reverse angle, the camera, yeah. from the replay that you do actually see it. And oh my word, what a tackle. It looked for all money they were going to score. They had all the momentum. It was, yeah. it was unstoppable momentum. We weren't able to get set up in time because they were playing so quick. He just burst through that gap. Unbelievably smart hit from Simo because what we were talking about last week when he lost his head a little bit and saw red mist in that scrap against Northampton, we were saying you need to use your experience a bit more because it ended up costing the team by reversing the penalty. And yeah. I gave the example of Danny Kerr being smart by blocking off Alex Mitchell for a quick tap. Again, a little bit niggly, but quite smart because it benefited the team. My word, he did the right thing there. He could have just gone full-blooded second row and absolutely nailed him and he still would have put the ball down. But he thought, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit smart about this used all of his experience and made a really smart tactical hit. Yeah, it was. That was kind of something a winger would do. I've never seen a forward do it. It's always a winger. It's just like, it it just sort of looked from my sort of vantage point, miles down the other end, that he'd just gone to make a tackle as you do. You know, you you try and make a tackle last ditch, whatever it is. But then also you watch on the replay and I don't know how much, I'd probably give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. You can see with his arm that he's properly gone to like dislodge the ball almost. Mm. Which is so it's so good. And it was it was it was absolutely brilliant. And then obviously watching it on the replay, all the Gloucester fans are swinging their head around to the big screen. And I I like I said, I got a bit cheeky. So when they all went, oh they've obviously watched it, I was again, I got a bit cheeky. I went for a massive Ew! 
<laughs> I couldn't help myself. And I Fantastic guess that's part, I guess that's part of it where they obviously do it to another people and then we all go, oh God, isn't it annoying? And then obviously you do it back to them and you think, oh, are I funny? But I, just, I, don't I couldn't know. help I myself. Don't want, I don't want it to be continued. I, I wouldn't get involved with it, but I really rate how you just dished it back to them there. Yeah, it was good. Um, the next moment of time in the game, again, they had that momentum. They just had a try that, that didn't quite make it to the ground, but they then had a line out. And we talked about it again last week. Driving more was a little bit of a weakness for us. We're susceptible to getting pushed back over our line. Plus Lost a big Rick, strength for was, them as well. Yeah, they've got an outstanding driving ball. Um, Stuart Hooper saying it's, it's the best in the league. And I just think we maybe overcoached ourselves to try and defend it, which naturally, right? You can't, you can't prepare for every eventuality. You've got to yeah. prepare for the most likely one, which is what we did. And they were really smart. Gloucester were really smart. And they thought, look, they're going to come in. They're going to get straight into the mall. They're going to try and halt us early. We'll just pop it onto Rackerman out the back. I thought if my, perhaps it's an unfair criticism because I've never had Ruin Ackerman run at me from 10 metres run up. But I thought Smith and Marchman with a double hit could have done a little bit more um, to stop him getting over the line or at least hold him up when you're, when you're two on one, but having said that, you probably would have creamed me. So, yeah, great try from them. No complaints, really. I think if they'd pushed us over, I'd have been a bit disappointed. But because they were so smart about it and kind of yeah. out tricked us, um, I've got no real complaints about it. No, I mean, Ackerman, there was obviously Ackerman's hundredth appearance as well, so yeah. he was obviously probably more determined to get across the line than most people were on that day. But yeah, he was. He just had sort of 10 yards of steam and he's running right down Marcus's channel and you can almost see it open up at the time. Um, disappointing, but I no think it was, it, was probably, it was probably more disappointing having the, the sort of the double of the yellow and then the next phase they go and score and you think, ah, oh, we've just sort of lost a, lost a man, you know. And it's probably, do you know what? I think the re- maybe the reason it was more surprising than anything else is that we just lost a forward. So you think, maybe well, they're a forward down. They, they're yeah. going to go for the... They're going to go for the big driving mall, and they just worked off the back. And yeah, Ackerman ten yards and ten yards of steam running right down Marcus's channel. Probably only one winner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a couple more points from the first half. We'll talk about our try, and then uh, I want to get your view on the the double yellow that we got as well. So Luke Northmore's try, beautiful back move, lovely bit of interplay that that put Lukey through the gap. Cool hand, Luke with the finish as well. Literally put his man on his heels. Snake hips. Yeah, snake hips. He made it look really easy. It was, a, it was a difficult skill to execute, but the way he sort of kicked on and then halted, put him on his heels and then kicked on again, it made a tough finish look really easy. So it was a, it was a classy finish from him. Right down in front of you, as the, the screenshot will suggest. How was that? Yeah. Mate, it was, it was sick because... I was saying, I said it a few times this year, I sit at the stoop, obviously, in that sort of bottom corner. So you either get really, really good views of the try or you sometimes don't. But yeah, that was awesome. And I, I was sort of the the angle that he made, or sort of the line that he ran initially, was right in line with where I was. So you can see the gap almost o- open up in front of where I was. Yeah. Hits it perfectly, and then obviously you know does a little drop of the shoulder, snake hips, gets to the outside, puts the fullback on his back, and and then gets in. And yeah, right in front of us was sick. And one thing I will mention as well, it wasn't Marcus or Andre or Danny that put it for the hole. Jack Kenningham was, was, was with, with the pass, yeah. and it was he was immense yesterday yeah. so good and also having watched the game back I only remember one line out and I haven't watched it completely no, no, he was targeted yeah. he was targeted almost every single line out Jack Kenning yesterday I don't it remember was. him not being targeted other than I think the first line out of the game that went to Simmons but yeah on the try 
it was class. Just and someone made a point about Northmore maybe maybe being slightly more physical and a bit more sort of ball carry presence than someone like Joe Marchant, who's our normal 13. I don't really see him in that way. I do see him slightly more physical, but again, he's such a great runner and he's so elusive and he, he glides and he's a he's finisher, got, he's isn't brilliant. he? He's a brilliant finisher. And I, I've said it, you know, I think earlier, earlier in the week on Twitter, that any chance that Luke Northmore gets to start a game, I get really excited about because I absolutely love watching him play. And it was a brilliant, brilliant finish, brilliant score. And yeah, I think it was quite, you know, template of what we do with yeah. a little bit of front football. I think finisher, the word you just used there, sums him up pretty well because more often than not, when he makes that line bust, he normally gets over for the try, doesn't he? So I just think it was really impressive how he, he checked the man and then finished. It was a, a finish of a winger. Um, which really impressed me. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, mate. I'm a big fan of Luke Northmore. Staying on Luke Northmore and probably going back to Tom Lorde as well. We had two yellows, which yeah. um, I can't really argue with Luke Northmore's. If that had stuck in Reece Amit's hands, he probably would have been away. I would back Tyrone to get across, but you know what Reece Amit's about. So I think Luke's probably was a yellow, only got one hand to it. Lorde's, I thought, was was extremely harsh. He, he just wasn't rolling. Um, and it's not like you don't get that every single week. So, yeah, consistency. Is there going to be yellow for that every week? Or what's that about? It's, it's that area between how much effort a person is making to roll away plus the real smart play that forwards do where they, you know, Chuck come into the ruck and clamp him in with the leg. Yeah. I, I suppose, you know, if he's being really smart, in the way he does it, he's slowing down their ball, their countering. Obviously, it didn't actually work out because they end up going and crossing the line, albeit with a knock on. Um, yeah, it just it looked it looked a bit harsh, but maybe because of the sort of context of it and the way that that passage of play was panning out, maybe it was fair. Um, yeah, 50 51 for me, but you know, it is, it is the, the north one was annoying. Because we just got ourselves back in the game after being a try down. Marcus nails the kick, and then what is it? A minute or so before, you know, the end of the half, we we go another man down after Lawley's come back on. I guess the only thing that really works in our favour is that we had the ball back at the end of the first half, and I think the clock went into like the forty-first or forty-second minute, so we managed to take a little bit of time yeah. off in that in that respect, which was good. But no, we, yeah, we were we were on the other side of that, weren't we? Against Leicester, where we had, I think it was Marcus off, wasn't it, for twelve minutes or something, and yeah. they had. Of course, it was Jasper V, so the, Visa, the yeah. yellow card. He was off for <laughs> 10. So it's nice to have the flip side of that this time. Um, moving into the second half then, I just think staying level at half time was so important for us because we, we've always been a bit of a second half team. We always show up in the second half. Um, we were caught up in a real scrap in the first 40. They looked a good side. It suited them better having a low scoring affair. We tend to lose the low scoring ones, so... To stay in touch at halftime was important. Second half, completely different team, really. We, we, Given the final score, you wouldn't think it, but we came out firing, didn't we? I think we just played really smartly for that first period where we had a, a man down. Um, some of Marcus's kicking in the first half were getting stuck in a bit of the breeze and he wasn't quite finding his range with some of his field kicking. Um, but then in the second half we were putting little kicks in behind and turning them. And I don't really remember much of the game down in our half from where I was stood mm. in, in, in that half, of the, in that half of the game. I remember a lot of it being played at their end. Um, I remember having periods of dominance, even when we were kicking to the corner 
Yeah. And yeah. even, you know, at times we, we did take penalties, which was the right thing to do in that circumstance. I think this is one of the things we spoke about a while ago. We're going to have to play games at times where we're a little bit more, you know, pragmatic. diplomatic almost. Yeah, yeah, pragmatic in the way that we just figure out the game and the best way to win it. And obviously it wasn't going to be a bonus point day. But we just did really well in that first 10, 15, just to sort of get a proper foothold in the game. Not that we were out of it in the first half, but we were just sort of behind the eight ball for most of it until we scored. And then obviously you lose a man almost straight after. But we just did really well just to regain some composure, regain a bit of territory and just the sort of overall control of it. We actually did really, really well in that sort of first 10 minute block. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a couple of key points to call out from the second half before we get into our, our extra preview and our, our mid-season review as well. Dino Lamb nearly going over in the corner. Yeah. No arms hit from Ackerman, probably slightly high as well. Didn't see yellow for it because he was already off the pitch, which I thought was a poor piece of officiating. How can you negate an offence based on somebody being off the field? You look at all the scraps where you see people with yellow cards. Danny yeah. Kerr last week against Northampton. Him and Hutchinson, I think, both sent to the bin. That was off the pitch. So I thought that was an odd piece of officiating. Um, I remember Will Skinner as well. This is ages ago now. I think oh, we were away at And he got a red card from the bench, didn't he? I don't know if you remember that. I can't remember the... I don't remember that. Obviously a European fixture. But yeah, I just think being off the field should have no relevance to a, a no-arms high tackle. I think Ackerman probably should have seen yellow there. And, and maybe it's a different game from that point. But either way off that resulting penalty we we go to the line out Danny yeah. Kerr's marshalling the forwards and, and rearranging them getting back in the driving mall I think that's his difference the the point he's at in his career now is he he's smart he knows how to manipulate a game and manipulate a situation to, to benefit him collects the ball off the back of the mall and uh, dummies the two and one and, and dives over on his birthday you yeah. got a little cheeky selfie with him after the game any words yeah. any congratulations oh I just said happy birthday and what a bloody good job. He was excellent yesterday. Probably one of the best games I've seen him play in the last sort of six, eight weeks. Um, even just little things like, I think he had he had Mian's number as well. Mian's kicking was a little bit all over the place. Um, he actually had quite a cool skill, Mian, kicking off left and right. So Simo was on the guard at the breakdown a lot of the times so and sort of jumping either side of the breakdown to yeah. sort of try and charge down the kick. But yeah, Danny had his number yesterday massively. And even little bits, when they kicked him behind, he was mopping up and... Um, gathering kicks and just sort of the the general sort of control I think that he had in the game because I think he probably worked out again it wasn't a day to right give it to Marcus let's throw it about let's go and score four or five it wasn't that sort of day it required a little bit more a little bit more detail from him and some of the little like I said some of the little kicks in behind yeah I just thought his management yesterday was was that of a, a premiership winning nine like yeah the way that the driving mall was kind of disintegrating with players popping out left and right, and he was redirecting them back in uh, to keep the momentum alive and, and maintain that that front foot ball for him to then benefit off the back of it. There's not many nines that do that. So I think, as you say, he, he was key for us yesterday. And in games like that, you need your senior players to step up. I thought he did that. I thought Simo did that. One man that also did that is... Man of the match, my man crush oh. that grows every single week, Andre Esterhazen, who made Ridiculous. that that galloping break through the middle as if he was at Cheltenham, uh, yeah. <laughs> the middle, which which ended up setting up the the try attempt for Dino and then resultant penalty. So to to get that position was was down to him. A word on him, he was brilliant, wasn't he? He's my biggest man crush since Wilco, which says quite a lot. He was immense yesterday, and I know that he was brilliant at 
big game as well and we speak about him almost every week but in those games where it's not all down to the flair of Marcus and slinging out wide to Marchant he was absolutely phenomenal like completely unplayable at times and 12 12 just actually did a pretty good job of him but the turnovers the tackling three turnovers more turnovers than Greg's and they were all like middle of the park one-on-one tackle, gets straight down over the ball, big wide stance, like having another back rower. Like, he was yeah. ridiculous. Still kicks a touch with his big left foot, yeah. breaks the gain line. He's so, so good. So, yeah. so, so, so good. And I think one of the Gloucester fans behind me, who obviously isn't a huge sort of follower of Quinn's, he lets me, bloody hell, you're 12th player. Well, I was like, yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> Man of the match last player. week. Man of the match this week. Hasn't yeah, had a phenomenal. call from South Africa, though, which I thought was quite surprising. Tabai yes. described him as the juggernaut after the game, which I quite like. I think that sums him up brilliantly. How you've got the, the maestro of Marcus yeah. just inside him as well, which is perfect. And as you say, mate, I don't think you can underestimate that result for us. That was a phenomenal no. result. Although it's just a, a minor three-point win, which we're not really used to as Quinns fans, that, that's a crucial result. When you look at where we are on the calendar, just after New Year's, away trip to Gloucester is a really stubborn, tricky place to go. Playing on a new surface with the 4G, which we haven't done for a little while. I can't remember our last game on 4G. So I think that's an important detail that perhaps we don't recognise. I think the major thing of it is, though, is that we've got two, well, including X and including X and Gloucester, we've got two teams that are right in that, sort of playoff mix and we've now got a bit of a buffer over them. But I know Exeter beat Bristol at the weekend as well. Wasn't a bit like our game, wasn't the most convincing. They didn't have to win. Both of them had a few chances. And Exeter Exeter, but I fancy them at home. Um, I know we'll talk about them going in a minute, but yeah, I think it was so important because if we'd have lost to Gloucester, they'd have been probably above us. Exeter then, you know, they would have as well. Tough game against, you know, story side and you know champions for years. That would have been really, really tough. So, yeah, we've absolutely, you know, we've done brilliantly there to beat Gloucester. And it now sets up what is a huge game down at home next weekend. Oh, 100%. As you say, you've got to beat the teams around you. A couple of weeks back, we haven't beat anyone in the top half of the league. We've now beaten Saints, who were just below us. We've now beaten Gloucester, who'd replaced them to become just below us. We've now got to beat Chiefs next week, who we obviously... I fancy them as well. I fancy them because we're at home, but they're they're on a bit of a resurgence again. And I think it's it's a brilliant time for us to be able to stop that and, and kind of reality check them. They're a brilliant team. They've got superstars all over the park. And I think playing them at home at this moment in time while we've still got all our superstars is a good thing. Yeah. It's our last Prem game before the Six Nations, so it's going to need some big performances from our big players. You fancy them then, do you? What selection are looking fa- like? I, I genuinely fancy them. And I... <sighs> Obviously, the last time we played them was in the final, but I do fancy them. They're not... This might really come back and bite me on the arse, but I don't fear them now like I used to. Of no, course, they're either. brilliant. They've of not had that season, brilliant. have they? Yeah, I, they are excellent. And they've got some you know, unbelievable players. Of course, they're excellent, but I just fancy them. Selection-wise, you'd hope, you know, obviously, Joe's had a week off, rest, recuperation, Um you know, slamming him some penalties. He's probably hopefully going to be right to go. Um, I think Steph will have had a week off as well. We might have a little bit to talk about a few tizzles in a minute as well, but I think he will probably have a rest. Simo looked pretty smashed when he came off the pitch yesterday. Dino's not played for a while, so I think there'll be be some interesting selections in the second row, depending on how that goes. 
Tom Lorde, maybe for Chisholm, but he was 50th cap yesterday. The yellow car, though, Chisholm been off. But I don't see the back line changing much. Maybe Murley back in. Um, I think there won't be loads of surprises. I think that second row will be the interesting one because I know that with um, with Dino coming back from a bit of an injury and with Simo and yeah, Steph will be the one. I think he'll be the key one. If he comes back in, I, I'd be pretty pretty pleased to see the captain come back, I think. Yeah, for sure. Caden actually tweeted um, that he's he's just got a little knock and he should be back for Chiefs. So I'd expect to see him return. Good matchup as well, him and him and Noel on the wing. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a big day oh, for God. us and it's a big day for us off the pitch as well. We're going to head to Fulham Tattoo, aren't we? Get your, <laughs> your Quinn's Premiership final Roman numerals on your ankle. You look forward to it? Christmas present? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> big, big day. We'll get in there early, then we'll head over well, to you're, the um, You're going to come stay with me on Friday night, aren't you? You're going to pike up off my sofa for the night. Yeah, we'll get in there early and then um, head over to Twickers once we've done your early doors tattoo and have a bit of breakfast, dry jam, so I need to try and find a replacement beverage, don't I? So We'll have to find a nice flat white somewhere in Putney yeah, before we do, get Is the there coffee. a coffee van at the stoop? I've never noticed it. If there is, um, perhaps that'll be an ongoing theme for for a few European games as well. We've got Castro at home coming up. But whilst we look Ooh, ahead, let's go on to... Hey? Friday night against Castro, so that might be a couple to try and be tricky to avoid the dry jam. No, no. Come on, you've got to stick to it. Got to stick to it. <laughs> um, looking ahead then, let's forget Europe for now. Season ambitions. We're at the midway point. We're sat third in the table with a little bit of a cushion over fourth. Only Leicester who are undefeated and Saracens, the old enemy above us. What's your verdict? Are we talking just Premiership? Are we looking at a bit of just Europe? Pre- just premiership. Let's just look at the Prem. Midway point. How, how are you feeling? Just Prem. I mean, look, if we beat X at the weekend, we've just beaten the three sides below us in consecutive weeks. I think that is huge for us. Mm. Beat Northampton, beat Gloucester, beat Exeter. That is massive. But what about now? The first half of the season's done. What's, what's your verdict? What's your review on, on what's gone so far? I think that we're about where I expected us to be. I think... I don't think I saw Leicester being as good as they are. I think we expected to see Saracens right up there. But then you look at the table and I didn't expect Bristol to be crap. I didn't expect Sale to be down the bottom. So I think we're about right. Um, we've had some really good wins. We've had a couple of not brilliant performances. Like if you throw, if you probably the one that sticks in my mind about potentially a bit of a sour loss was that one against London Irish. I agree. Um, yeah, it still bothers me now. But I think, I think we're about as we, as we expected. I think we're doing well. I think we're tracking pretty well. We've got a couple of injuries. I'd like to see Wilco Lowe back on the park at some point. I think he's just had a, you know, another surgery to correct some rehab stuff. Um, oh yeah, there's nothing else. We're not missing anyone other than that, really. No one springs to mind. I know that we've had, um, you know, Steph was out for a little bit. We had, we've had a look at some new people. I think Tommy Lorde has been excellent. I think he's been my most improved player this half of the year. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. he's been sensational, hasn't he? But in, in, yeah, in, t- in terms of just the way we're looking in the table, though, I think we're probably, we're tracking as well as I probably expected us to be. Yeah, I, I'm not too dissimilar to you, mate. My review of the season so far is we're probably about on par. We wanted to be in the top four. It's exactly where we are. If anything, I'm probably more pleased than I thought I would be because we've got that buffer on fourth. So going into the the toughest period of our season will be the Six Nations. Going into that period with that little cushion, if we do have a slip up against somebody, 
I think that is not something I was expecting to have, which is great. So I'm I'm buzzing with where we are. I thought we'd be in the mix again. I didn't think we'd be first or second. I didn't think we were going to tear the league up because the way we rotate our squad to make sure they're all fit and firing come playoff time is something that we take pride in and is a really smart way of managing your season. Whereas other clubs like your, your Leicester's, for example, who go full whack every week, maybe they'll start to tire by playoffs and it will come back to bite them. So I wouldn't change our strategy at all. I'm, I'm really pleased where we are. As you say, big week against Exeter. Let's get that win because I think we've got Wasps, Newcastle, Saris and Worcester during that Six Nations period. I look at that and think it's quite kind to us. The, the toughest yeah. one is Saris away, but they're also going to struggle with internationals. We obviously went to that game at home and, and it is a game we probably should have won. So yeah. we've got something that is daunting, as you said about the Chiefs. Wasps look hit and miss every week that I don't know if they have players back hard to call that one given them what their season's looking like but we played them away last year so we're going to have them at home which I fancy yeah, Newcastle going to have at home which I fancy they just got pumped 31-0 by Leicester Worcester away is a bit of a bogey side for us but they're going to be losing their Scottish players so yeah. I fancy that one as well so to tee us up for that period we might have I a banana really spot, in there mate. somewhere I think we're in a great spot I think we only could spot it's nice isn't it I just—it's lovely. Yeah, it is. It is, it is lovely. It's I'm just—I'm just. I know this weekend. I'm just the more I think about it, it will be so good for us if we beat them. Oh, How good would that be? It's gonna be hard not to have a beer if we do beat them. Oh, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> Come on, the twins. <laughs> anyway, mate, that's where we'll leave it. It's been quite a good episode, hasn't it? We've spoken about loads. Um, I really look forward to this weekend. Really looking forward to going and getting your your Christmas present with you, your tattoo. It's gonna be a a significant moment for the podcast when we both get inked up with it so thank you to everybody for listening we look forward to seeing a few of you down at, at the street for the Chiefs game that was our little mid-season review and our verdict of Gloucester we're as you can probably tell very very pleased with how we're tracking it we're looking forward to a big 2022 get out there and support the lads get down to the stoop they're going to need you 16th man not often that a team goes back to back let's go and make some history come on the quins Class work, mate. I'll see you Friday. Come on, the boys.